Live from D1 Abilene, it's Docs and Jocks, brought to you by Buffalo Wild Wings. Here's your host, Dr. Dan. Hey, welcome to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan. Great to have you with us today. If you're just catching our show for the very first time, we are a sports medicine show. What we do here is talk about uh, sports entertainment, but with a sports medicine niche, which means uh, I do basically on the show what I do in my day job, which is... Uh, at Texas Sports Spine, talk to different athletes about different injuries. We talk about the severity of the injury to maybe your favorite player, how it affects your favorite team, how long those injuries typically take to get better, those types of issues here on Docs and Jocks. I'm joined each week by my co-host, Ferris Potter. Ferris is the voice of uh, Grand Canyon University, longtime sports broadcaster. Ferris, thanks for being on the show today. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, as always. Man, we got some great uh, guests today we have on. Former NBA center, a 12-year NBA veteran, Harvey Catchings. We'll be talking to him about all things NBA, whether that's, uh, man, whether or not the court needs to be changed, whether these players are bigger, faster, stronger, you name it. We're going to be talking to Harvey Catchings about his days in the NBA. He played with greats like, uh, you might have heard of Julius Irving Ferris, Dr. J. Uh, I've heard of him. Heard of yeah. him. Daryl Dawkins, Mo- Moses Malone, all those great uh, 76ers. Heard of those guys. And then we're going to be having on, uh, <laughs> yeah, then we'll be having on uh, former NFL combine or strength and conditioning coach four guys who are trying out for the nfl combine coach david hess current head strength conditioning coach for d1 abilene talk about what it takes to get ready for the nfl combine and how they're prepping right now for that then we're gonna have on uh, neurosurgeon dr stephen brown we talk about some of the injuries we're seeing out there right now in the sports medicine world whether that's to rob gronkowski who had his third back surgery whether it's tiger woods and his attempt to make a comeback which has now been stalled but talking about back injuries and why they be, can be recurrent and then we're gonna have on later on the show we're gonna have on the host of Rock and Manouche. It's a show that's uh, basically the longest-running afternoon sports drive show in uh, the Valley. Uh, 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 stations that we are now on include 1580, 99.3, 99.1 out there in Phoenix, Arizona. So we'll be having uh, uh, Mike Morocco talking about his show and kind of what's going on out in the Phoenix area and uh, talking to him about how you can listen to Rock and Manouche on uh, the stations out there. So, Ferris, I'm very, very excited about having on some of the great uh, guests and remember, what we do here on the show is really talk about what's going on in the sports medicine world. So we'll be covering all the different aspects of sports medicine, whether it's NBA, the NFL, uh, Major League Baseball right now is kicking off, getting ready to go with spring training. So don't want to miss all what's going on here on Docs and Jocks. Remember, if you want to contact us and give us your question, you can do so by going to docsandjocks.com. That's D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. Also, if you uh, want to email us a question, we'll put it on air, as well as you can follow us there on social media, whether that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you name it. And also, you can listen to our podcast on iTunes, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X, D-O-X-N-J-O-X, Docs and Jocks on iTunes. Listen to it at your time, at your convenience, anywhere you want to. So, hey, we'll have all that and more coming up here on the other side of Docs and Jocks. You're listening to Guy Talk, live from the Sport Clips Haircuts locker room. Caller, you're on the air. My girlfriend beat me playing one-on-one. Ooh, sounds like you need to hit up a sport clips for an awesome haircut experience and some quality man time. I don't know. My girlfriend always takes me to her salon. Nonsense. Be your own man and get a great haircut in a guy-friendly place from stylists who know what guys need. You may be right. Sure I'm right. Now grab your Y chromosome, get down to sport clips, and ask for the MVP. Sport clips. It's good to be a guy. No one burns calories like Firehouse Subs. Introducing our hearty and flavorful under 500 calorie menu. Steaming hot sriracha beef, hook and ladder light, turkey cranberry, and more. Six new subs, four new salads, overflowing with flavor under 500 calories. And starting at only $5.49. Under 500 calories never tasted so hearty and flavorful. Firehouse Subs. One bite. 
One taste, you're hooked. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Josh, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician with Texas Sport and Spine. Coming to you from inside Docs and Jocks radio studio. Joined by my co-host, voice of Grand Canyon University, Ferris Potter. And Ferris, man, excited about today's show. I thought we could jump right in and talk about some of the things going on in the uh, sports entertainment world right now and how they pertain to sports medicine. Uh, Tom Brady, man, posted his own video. I don't know if you saw it or not yet, Ferris, but he posted his video of him out skiing, and he tries to do a ski jump. And, man, he face plants it, has a big old wreck while he's skiing. If you're a Patriots owner, coach, player, fan, would you <laughs> do you think Tom Brady should be doing uh, ski jumps and uh, biting it? I mean, both skis came off. This is a guy who's had his ACL reconstructed. It's got to make you nervous. I think if you're going to trade uh, Garoppolo, then you put that in Tom's contract. Dude, you're 40. <laughs> yeah. Knock it off. Yeah. Give us five more years, right. then you can do whatever the heck you want. Yeah, yeah. 30. I don't know why he's doing that. He's not the type of guy that would jeopardize his. I mean, he's going to go down as the greatest quarterback ever. But he said he wants to play another what five, six years That's or whatever. What he said he said his body feels better now than it's ever felt. He says he feels like he has another five years in the tank. So he's you believe very, that? Um, I believe he feels better than ever. I think uh, you. I, I know that I started working out here at D1 Abilene when I was about 45 years old. I know that I felt as if I was in my 20s when I really started doing a consistent workout program and eating correctly, you know, that I hadn't done in a long time. I think you can tell yourself that you feel better and you are uh, just as good as you were in your in your prime years in your t- mid-20s. I think that's yeah. a feeling you need to have if you're going to be playing at the next level. I think if you honestly take a look at it, if you measured his – 40 if you measured his reaction time if you measured his quickness i think you would find that he was probably a little better in his 20s than in his thir- than he is in his uh, near 40 years old but uh he has also acquired wisdom on how to use those skills now at 38 even though they might be a little slower and so i think he can be as just as good as he was in his 20s and he feels that way and so that's a good thing i think you have to feel that way mentally if you're going to try and succeed at a high level but, yeah, I think you're probably at your prime in football and athletically in your mid to late 20s. Yeah, and he does. He that, What's surprising to me about that video is that he takes care of himself. They, the people say yeah. he's, he's crazy about it. Like he has he has like, you know, not he doesn't even eat ice cream. He doesn't have dessert. He doesn't. He's so fanatic about his health. And then he goes out and does that where you could break a couple legs. You could break a couple knees. You could fracture your brain. I mean. I'm, I don't want to get technical on you, saying fracture your brain, but you could really hurt yourself, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, no. So why, why, you know, why are you doing that? Yeah, well, it's kind of odd, you know. I don't know. It would if you go on uh, YouTube and watch it. I think he posted it on his Twitter and YouTube or whatever you want to watch it on. But yeah, I don't know because the other thing is he's had an ACL reconstruction, so he's had a pretty bad knee injury, and it's a pretty common way to tear your ACL. In fact, they build a uh, sports medicine clinics at the base of mountains of ski resorts for a reason. <laughs> for a I'm, reason. I'm not even joking. So that's how common knee injuries are uh, and traumatic injuries awesome. are. And so, yeah, for him to be uh, jumping, I can almost see just skiing, just at a leisurely ski, enjoying yourself. But while you're doing ski jumps, I mean, it was obviously a ski jump that he was doing. I don't know exactly why right. he was doing that. So, yeah, I, 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 if I was a Patriots fan, I'd be really, really nervous. 38 years old, had a previous ACL reconstruction, skiing in the first place and then doing jumps. I don't know, Tom. Doesn't seem like it's in your best interest. But then again, he already has five Super Bowl rings, so if he has to retire because of an ACL injury or skiing, he's probably okay with that. 
Yeah, it didn't make you happy, but, I mean, the guy can do whatever he wants. Go <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah, you're not going to tell him now. Hey, speaking of yeah. three quarterbacks right now in the NBA who are trying to return from season-ending injuries or off-season surgeries, I think, and we'll, let's talk about this first from one, a, a sports medicine standpoint, are they ready to come back? Do they look like they're ready to come back? And then get your opinion on how they affect the teams if they're not as good as they were last season or how, ba- how it would affect their team if they're not back at all. So let's start off with, I think, one that's pretty easy. Derek Carr, I think he's a game-changer for the uh, Raiders. I, I think you would agree with that. He had a fibular fracture in Week 16. The Oakland Raiders obviously had a great season this year. They were 12-4 and four, but did not uh, persevere in the playoffs because of the Derek Carr injury, in my opinion. So he sounds like he said he's almost 100%. So he sounds like he's ready to come back and uh, be the same quarterback. But if Derek Carr is uh, injured or is not as good as he was last year, I think that would be a huge impact on the Oakland Raiders. What do you think? What do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we see if you don't have a quarterback, it's very few and far between that you can advance anywhere. And I think they would have given New England a run for their money. I don't know if they would have beat him, but I think they would have made it to the AFC championship game had Derek Carr stayed healthy because he is that that good. He was well, we'll see if he can do it long term, but he had that good of a year last year. And when he was out, they were done. Yeah. You're right. You're right. So the other thing about him is he only had 18 sacks last year. So he had a pretty good line around him. He wasn't taking that many hits as uh, we'll talk about some of the other quarterbacks coming up here. So we'll go to Marcus Mariota, uh, Tennessee Titans. He also had a fibular fracture. Remember, your fibula is the bone on the outside of your leg. It's kind of a strut bone. It takes about 15% of your weight when you're weight bearing on your lower extremity. The big bone in your lower leg is your tibia. It takes the majority of the weight when you're walking. He broke his fibula as well. The uh, Titans last year were 9-7. and seven. A little bit disappointing in the fact that they missed the playoffs. Marcus Mariota was the number two overall pick uh, two years ago. Uh, he goes down. He looks like he's probably going to be back uh, in time for a preseason. Uh, but, you know, uh, that's one of the guys I think if without Marcus Mariota, I think the Tennessee Titans would take a dramatic drop-off. I didn't know who number two is, but they pretty much banked on him being the guy for the future. Yeah, and he played – he had some really good games. I had him in my fantasy league, and uh, he had a stretch there. Where he was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely a game changer, too. they got to have him back or just cash in the year, right? Yeah. He started off pretty slow, but the Titans then picked it up at the end of the he year, did. right? Yeah, they really went yep. crazy kind of there at the end until they lost him. He had 28 sacks last year, so he's not got quite as good a protection as Derek Carr. You always want a guy coming back from injury, injury to have protection is like uh, – Carson Palmer, the last couple of years, when he comes back, you know, he had an ACL tear and, or ACL rupture, and he comes back. You want to be protected. Same with Marcus Mariota. So he's right in the middle of the pack as far as the number of sacks allowed against him. Now let's talk about a guy who's had, four, had 44 sacks last year against him, Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck's always been one of those guys. We think he has a ton of talent. We think he looks like the uh, kind of the uh, poster child for NFL quarterbacks. He's a tall guy, smart thinker, comes out at what, Stanford. You think this is the guy that's going to take the uh, Colts to the next uh, promised land? They basically trade away Peyton Manning, knowing that Andrew Luck is now in their in their fold. So he goes has off-season shoulder surgery, which is much trickier. When you're talking about shoulder surgery, a shoulder is an incredibly dynamic joint, which means it can move in all directions. Think about a Ferris. You can scratch the back of your head with your hand because your shoulder has that range of motion, whereas yep. a hip joint, you can't scratch your rear end with your foot because your hip joint doesn't allow you to do that. So because shoulders have so much more play and movement in them when you do surgery on it, it's oftentimes a much more difficult surgery to both recover from and to predict its outcome. So he has off-season surgery. It happened in January. Don't really know exactly where he's at right now. He's just about four weeks out from his surgery. The Colts last year were 8-8, eight and eight and they missed the playoffs. Uh, once again, Andrew Luck was taking a beating. He had 44 sacks. So what would you say uh, if the Andrew Luck uh, comes back and he's not the quarterback he was uh, last year or the year before, do you think Andrew Luck, uh, his, how, how the Colts go is determined by how Andrew Luck goes? 
Well, yeah, in some ways. I mean, we talk about it all the time. I've seen Tom Brady look very average when the New York Giants were playing him and rushing him, and he didn't have time. I think Luck's the same way. It's a very rare quarterback that can win games for you when he's being pressured. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger can because he just stands so tall in the pocket and gets beat up, but we've seen him have injuries of late. I mean, Mike Vick could because he could run out of the pocket. Uh, John Elway could get out of the pocket and do things and, and take some hits, but you know, if, if if Luck doesn't have protection, he's going to be average again like he was. If he has protection, I think he's going to be phenomenal. I think he could take him to the Super Bowl. I think it all starts with the offensive line. So if they don't have him or if they have him and they don't shore up that offensive line, I think they're going to be about the same as they were last year. Yeah, it is the absolute, uh, I think, an absolute truth in football that the games are won in the trenches, won and lost in the trenches. We've had on a coach, uh, Jesse Burleson, who runs – these uh, linemen count challenges all across the nation where he takes high school linemen and he kind of competes. He said linemen don't get the glamour that, you know, wide receivers and quarterbacks get with all the seven-on-seven. Seven. So the linemen, he does all these challenges where they compete against each other and they absolutely love it. He was an All-American lineman uh, in college, and now he's the head football coach at Hardin-Simmons University. He says the games are won or lost in the trenches. I think it's that way at every level. If you've got Andrew Luck, yeah. one of the best quarterbacks of you know, in the NFL, we would all say talent-wise, if you just look at on paper and you look at what he's able to do, he's one of the elite quarterbacks. He's in that group anyway. You'd, his name would come up for discussion. But the problem yeah, is I he's laying so. on his back 44 times this year and being hurried and being hit other times that, uh, you know, he's just a hard guy to keep upright and he's a tough guy to not get injured when you're taking that many hits. So the fact that the Colts were 8-8 eight and eight this year, when you're taking, giving, letting your quarterback get sacked 44 times, just says they've <laughs> got it. They've got to secure the offensive line. And I think their chance to have a long run in the playoffs is getting slimmer and slimmer. And he's now mid, middle-aged. I mean, what, how long has he been in the league now? Six, seven years at least. Man, has he been that long? I think so. Hey, Hawk, wow. you check that out. Well, yeah, because Arians now is going into, what, his fourth year with the Cardinals, and he was his quarterback's coach, I think, right, for yeah. and his coach for, yes. I bet he's, I bet this is his sixth year. I bet you're right. Yeah. So he's Boy, in, that doesn't seem right, man. Yeah. Holy cow. I know. Time flies. Absolutely flies. So, yeah. The other uh, – Wow. So when you got Tom Brady's of the world out uh, skiing and jumping and taking uh, crashes, and they've had ACL ruptures – and they don't get hurt, but then you got Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota, Andrew Luck, all hurt, all going undergoing offseason surgery. Tom Brady's been pretty lucky. The, the Patriots have overall, with Tom Brady being as as poor mobility as he has, it's amazing that he hasn't been hurt more than he, than uh, what we've seen him so far. But he did, you know, he lost quite a bit of time with the ACL injury. But other than yeah, that, lost that whole year. Yeah. So and that's the that was a year that you had uh, your Kansas City Chiefs guy was a filling guy that had the good year, right? Matt Castle, yeah, I got a le- one eleven games filling in, and actually it was odd because it kind of came full circle. The Chiefs are the team that that knocked uh, Brady out and 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 hurt his knee, and then Castle comes in and wins eleven games, don't make the playoffs. I think it was one of the first times a team had won eleven and not made the playoffs, and then uh, Brady comes back and uh, the Chiefs go out and sign Matt Castle and uh, they trade for him and sign him to the big uh, forty fit thirty forty million dollar deal and didn't have the offensive line. And he was never great, you Perfect know. Example. He's still in the league yeah. running around, but he's never yeah. been great. Yeah, six. Andrew Luck's uh, sixth year was last year. was his sixth year, so we're right. He's been in the league six years. Wow. Hey, your Kansas City Chiefs, speaking of which, they just went and picked up uh, C.J. Spiller, the uh, former running back for the Bills and then the Seahawks last year. <coughs> uh, he, they did that because they're not sure about Jamal Charles' status. Jamal oh, Charles only played five games with the knee injury, so now they go out and pick up C.J. Spiller's for insurance. <laughs> yeah, that's too bad, man. That 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 was a big Andy Reid said from the beginning of the year, we expect him back, he's ready to go. And he didn't come back, didn't come back, didn't come back. I think it was week four or five, he came back, played a little bit, 
didn't play the next week, played a week, and then he was just out. I, I know. He was so great. Uh, he might be done, man. He, he might, might be just done. be done, which is sad to say. That's right. Speaking of which, uh, we're going to have on, uh, we're done with this segment. We're going to have on, after uh, this segment, we're going to have on Harvey Catchings, the 76ers uh, NBA 12-year uh, veteran. Man, we're talking to him and catching up with what Harvey's doing and uh, how he thinks the NBA is doing right now. So don't, don't uh, change channel. Stay with us here on Docs and Jocks. We'll be right back after a short commercial break. My name is Doc Jan. Come to live from inside Docs and Jocks Radio Studio. Hey, just catch our show for the very first time. Want to find out more about your Docs and Jocks Sports Medicine Radio Show? You can do that by going to docsandjocks.com or you can listen to our show on iTunes, on the iTunes app. Just go to Docs and Jocks, D O X N J O X, and you can download our podcast there, listen to it anytime. I want to say thank you to Marriott Hotels, Joe Walker State Farm. Could not do our show here without our wonderful sponsors on Docs and Jocks, your Sports Medicine Radio Show. We have on air, Ferris, we have online a good friend of Docs and Jocks, been on the show before, 12 year NBA veteran Harvey Ketchens, who was one of the all-time leading NBA shot blockers in the history of uh, NBA. Harvey, thanks for being on Docs and Jocks. I am so excited to spend time with you guys. Thanks a lot, Doc and Ferris. Well, we love talking about uh, basketball. I tell you what, uh, me and you talked about this uh, off-air. You and I are both Hardin-Simmons University, as I like to refer to it, the Hardin-Simmons University alumni, and uh, you played basketball there. I played uh, baseball there back in the day, so it's nice to have another Hardin-Simmons alumni on. And uh, you're proud of your school right now. They just won the uh, conference and are doing very, very well this year in in, uh, college basketball. You know what, and, and and it's really exciting. I think they ended up what twenty and six. Yes, I know that they were in the tournament uh, in Longview. I, I I actually thought about going up to check them out, but you know that's a little bit of a jaunt from Houston, <laughs> Texas. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so you go from Hardin Simmons University and you go to the NBA and play for the Seventy Sixers. And right now, the Seventy Sixers had a little bit of bad news. They uh, lose Ben Simmons for the year. He has a fracture in his foot. He's a big man. He's six foot ten, two hundred forty pounds, and Man, having uh, taking care of your feet when you're a big man, you're one of the best big men in the game as far as shot blocking and playing the center position. Tell us what it's like in an NBA career, what it does to your feet and ankles after playing uh, all those years. You know what's amazing, Dan, is that when we played, I was, I was talking to my wife about that this morning. I was looking at she has some Chuck Taylors. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. when you wear Chuck Taylors, they're great-looking shoes, <laughs> but they have zero, zero support. support. <laughs> yes. And that's what we played in. Yeah. And so, you know, when you talk about, you know, taking care of your feet, obviously, you know, when you have time off, you, you know, you, you, you really have to rest your feet. Uh, but today, with, all, with everything that they have today, I mean, it's just unbelievable. The facilities, the hardware, the, the shoes, I mean, you know, we'd probably be able to pay 15, 20 years with uh, a lot of the stuff that they have today. Oh, absolutely, yes, total difference. Ferris, you have a question? Hey, Harvey, um, yeah, it is funny when you look at the shoes. Now, nowadays, guys get new shoes every game. Every game. Do you guys just wear the same pair of uh, Chuck Taylors, like, as long as you could, and then throw them out and get a new pair? Yep. For the most part, I think I, th- I think I averaged about eight nine games with the pair of shoes. Uh, when Michael was playing, Michael would put on a, a pair. Of Michael Jordan, he would put on a pair at the beginning of the game and yeah. then change at halftime. 
How would you like to be able to do that for 82 games? Yeah, you know what? I always wondered about that, though, wearing new shoes. You know, whenever you and I did the same thing growing up, you played with one pair of shoes, you played with them as long as you could. I always felt like yeah. when you broke them in, you had a less chance to have blisters. When these guys wear new shoes every game or every half, it seems like they'd always be dealing with blister problems. I guess they're so perfectly made for their foot that they don't have that issue, but I've always wondered that. And see, that's the thing, because Nike does a great job in designing their shoes. And, and so, you know, uh, they're, they're so soft inside that they basically mold to your foot. So when you're wearing the shoes that they wear now, especially with all the cushion and support that they have, I mean, it's, you know, it's incredible. And, and you pay for them, too. I mean, shoes, you know, back when I played, you know, Chuck Taylor's were, what, $20, $25? Yeah, we thought that was a try lot. Try finding a pair of shoes for $25 <laughs> yeah. to play in today. Yeah, that's it's true. not going to happen. Yeah, not going to happen. Ferris? Yeah, I mean, you, you make a good point, Harvey. I mean, the, the, the shoes, the, the guys fly up there to wherever they get their shoes from, Under Armour, Nike, whoever, and they measure them and make a pair directly for their their foot. And, you know, the big news when Grant Hill came out, and I think he signed with Fila instead of Nike for a couple yeah. of years. And yeah. Fila was still just getting used to making shoes. And a lot of people say that's why Grant Hill had so many injuries early on, because he didn't get a, a good pair of shoes fit for his foot by Nike. Well, and, and Fila was, you know, trying to, to blend into the landscape, but they really did not have the quality to compete on the same level as, a, as an Adidas and Nike. And, and you're right. I mean, Grant had a lot of issues, and, you know, he still has issues with his feet. You know, same thing with Bill Walton. You know, he yeah. probably would have been able to play a lot longer had he not worn his feet out. Speak you know, and then you take a look at a Yao Ming at 7'6", Oh, uh, yeah. Over 300 pounds, yeah. you know, you got a situation where, you know, you, you test the limits on the size of players being able to run up and down the floor. So, in essence, it really is a lot of wear and tear on your feet. So, you've got to have some great shoes to wear. You know, you mentioned Bill Walton. I've just been reading a book by John Wooden, and, and uh, Bill Walton is mentioned in there. He talks about the first practice he has at UCLA. Uh, John Wooden sets the whole team down and teaches them how to put their socks and their shoes on correctly to avoid void blisters so they've got to take care of their feet the whole season. I always thought that was an interesting way to start your career with. You, know, you think John Wooden maybe drop a play or a diagram or give you some basketball <laughs> advice, but he told you how to take care of your feet because without them, you're not going anywhere further in basketball. That's true, isn't it, Harvey? And you are not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and it's interesting because even with all that, you know, um, you know like we were talking earlier, I mean, the support that we that we had back then is is totally different from yeah. what you have today. Absolutely, totally. Hey, you played one of the greatest offensive players of all time with Dr. J. Julius Irving, who I consider the greatest basketball player of all time. But, but I may be a little prejudiced because he was my hero growing up. But you know, we, we just saw he's the a doctor too. Dr. J. Man, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. He's a doctor. So uh, the Golden State Warriors last night and they score 50 points last night, put up 50 points against the uh, one of your former teams, the Clippers. Uh, they put up 50 in one quarter. They put up Whoa. 50 points. So you played one of the greatest offensive players of all time. I mean, tell us what it's like having a team put up 50 points in a quarter and how hard that is. You know what? Let's, let, let, let's take it even a step farther, Dan. Let's take a look at the All-Star game the other night. Oh, my goodness. 192 points yeah. to 182 points. Yeah. You know, I, would, I, I never thought that I'd see a, 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 a situation where players – Skill levels were so advanced that you know they, that they would reach those limits, but but they have and and playing with Julius and see one of the things one of the things about Julius is when he came to the NBA he was probably in the middle of his career right yeah played the NBA I, I, I can't even imagine you know what he was like you know with the New Jersey Nets uh, when he you know when he first came into the league. 
uh, uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I didn't watch uh, ABA games at the time, but even playing with him at Philadelphia, he still came in. He made a statement. I remember when uh, he was coming on board, uh, George McGinnis was the man in, uh, in, in Philadelphia. And uh, they came to George and they said, George, we have an opportunity to get Julius Irving. And basically, okay, wow. we want your blessings on getting, you know, uh, uh, you know, going along with the, uh, with the transaction. And George said, hey, you know, if you can get him, get, I mean, it would be a great addition to the team. Oh, man, that's but, an understatement. But here's the thing. <laughs> Whether George said yes or no, they were going to get him. <laughs> they were going to get Julius, man. <laughs> okay? Yeah, it's right. Dr. J. You yeah. know, but it was nice that they were courteous enough to go to George and ask. Oh, man, that is, that is incredible. <laughs> 50 points in oh, a quarter. Yeah. Would you still uh, – in fact, I thought the NBA All-Star game, the, the, for me, the uh, – when they started getting close to the 200-point mark, I actually caught up. My caught myself getting caught up in the game again because you know they don't play much defense. They don't. It doesn't uh-uh. seem like it's very competitive. But I wanted to see someone get to 200. So that was actually one of the reasons I was watching that game. I wanted to see if they'd reach that 200 mark. And see, that's the other. That, that's the other thing that kind of draws you in is that you're sitting. Ah, you know what? I'm, I'm. You know, I got things to do. Yeah. But then after you see them reaching another echelon, you start saying, "Wow, you know what? Come on, come on." It's kind of like when you go to a game and they have this deal where you get a free pizza if you score 115 points. Yeah. You know, right, when right, they get right. around 100, yeah. 105, you know, you're like, "Come on!" You know, yeah. everybody gets into the game, and it doesn't matter whether they're beating a team by 20, 30, or 40. They want the pizza. They want, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I want the same thing. If they scored 120, I think he got a free taco, and I was I was cheering them on. Man, it was the only reason I was watching the Mavs game. I just wanted the free taco. Hey, speaking of the Dallas Mavericks, uh, we see where they went out and got Nerlens Noel, the uh, center from the 76ers. And uh, you know, there's a time in the NBA now. It seems like uh, people are always talking about big scores, the Steph Curry's, the James Harden, the guys who put up a lot of points, uh, the Russell West, Russell Westbrooks of the world. But you you forget about that. You still need the big man. The Mavericks understand that they yeah. have a weak spot inside. And you being a center for twelve years in the NBA, tell us, do you, th- you still think this, the big man, the center, is relevant to the NBA game today? It's no question. Absolutely. But you know, here's the here's the difference in the game today uh, compared to back when I played. When 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 we played, we had the ball go through the center position. Yeah. Now the ball goes through the guards. It goes through the forwards. And if it gets to the center, maybe it'll get to the center. But, you know, um, you know that has changed dramatically. Uh, Golden State calls it small ball, you know, when they have a small lineup on the floor. Yeah. And you know what? That's great when you have guys like they have with your, you know, with Steph and Thompson, who are probably two of the greatest shooters ever to play the game. I mean, ever. Right. I've never seen anything like it in my life, and and I and I've seen great shooters. I've seen the Ricky Pierce's and the, you know, um, um, you know, guys like that. But when you talk about the talent that they have with these two guys to be able to, on any given night, put up twenty five, thirty points each, you know, that's a whole different ball game. And then you add Kevin Durant, right. who has the ability to move like a guard. So they have an interesting lineup. The key component is if you have an offensive center that they're playing against, and it changes the whole dynamic for them because now they've got to concentrate on the inside, and they haven't had to be, and they haven't had to do that because teams have kind of gone away from that center slot. Right. 
Does this does it still seem to you uh, almost unbelievable that a guy as big as like LeBron James, who would in your day would have been a would have been a center? I mean, he's what six nine, huge yeah. body, and how he moves. I mean, that he can move like a point guard, but still uh, have the soft touch on the outside shot, but still post you up inside. He's such a mismatch for everybody. But you know, Dan, the, the, the all these players. You know, when when we played. We were solid. We were bangers. We were, you know, we set great picks. We would pick and roll, all these things. But today, because guys start playing basketball at a younger age, because they have all of these skills, um, um, you know, clinics and everything that, you know, going on now, and then they have all of the different apparatus. If you go into a, um, if you go into a, an NBA practice um, facility, You'd be amazed at all the different items that they have yeah. that test their body to move, you know, to get them to the next level. So when coaches. you take a look at the fact that these guys can move so, so, you know, so painlessly, yeah. so right. effortlessly uh, throughout the lane, and and you know, again, I mean, you're right. Take a look at Kevin Kevin Durant, yeah. seven one. Yeah, would have been. A, you know, has the ability center. to finish. On the outside in the mid range, mid mid range, and then also take it to the rack. Yeah. So, you know, the game. I, I I tell people all the time. I say the game is in great hands right now, because you have guys that are entertainers, and that's basically what you become at this level. Hey, we're talking to Harvey Catchings here here on Docs and Jocks, your Sports Medicine Radio Show, Ferris. Hey, Harvey, you know, things things are kind of cyclical in the game. Do you think we'll ever get back to having some of those great big men? Because I'm like you. I think that's a, definitely a missing part, throwing the ball down into the post. You can really control the game. And, uh, you know, if you're playing a team that wants to score 50 a, a quarter, you know, you can kind of control the game more with the big men. Do you think we'll ever get back to that? Or, or are we just not developing? Because, like you said, everybody starts playing club ball and things. And they just want to shoot the three. Exactly, and and that's why I think it's going to be very very difficult to go back to that because even kids that are six five six six, you know, they say you know you got to face up and you know you got to face the basket, put the ball on the floor to get to the basket. Uh, nobody's really setting up on the inside anymore, and even as kids are developing, you see it all the time where kids want to dribble the ball between their legs, behind their backs, and. You know, take the three-point shot and work on their game outside because it's tough inside. When you get into that paint area, it's painful down there. There's grown men <laughs> because, down there. Yeah. You know, uh, I remember back when I played, guards did not come inside. They just did not come inside because, you know, it, it was a written rule. Well, it was an unwritten rule, actually. But they wouldn't be able to lay the ball up, and obviously they, there would be no dunks. And you'd end up helping them up off the floor because, you know, you want to send a message. Right. But now, you know, you see guys drive in and dunk on seven-foot centers and, you know, and it doesn't mean anything. You know, for us, it was pride. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Hey, hey, Harvey, do you ever think – I've always toyed with this idea. As the athletes get bigger and faster and stronger and more athletic and all the training they get, do you ever think they'll ever change, like, the dimensions of the court, move the three-point line back, add another 10 feet? I mean, I know they like the game how it is, but sometimes it seems like these guys, like we mentioned, LeBron James would be a center, Kevin Durant would be a center, and these guys are sprinting up and down the floor. Do you ever think they'll change the, the, the structure of the game at all to accommodate that? Well, I know that they've talked about it. I know that they've talked about extending the three-point line. Uh, you know, the 94 feet, I don't know if they're going to do anything with that or not. 
uh, because then you'd have to change everything throughout, you know, pretty much throughout America. But right. uh, I remember when they had to widen the lane because of Will Chamberlain, yeah. because he was just dominating. And that's another area that they won't have to concentrate on right now because, like we've been talking about, you know, they've gone away from the right. center game, so there's not a lot of dominance inside. But I don't, I, you know, I, I think that they probably will extend the uh, three-point shot. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't talk about uh, a four-point shot. Oh, you know, wow. uh, yeah. where guys were <laughs> even farther out. Like the other right, night when LeBron right. yeah. took that, that shot, uh, what, about two or three steps from half court and yeah. made it. <laughs> it reminded me of Metal Arc Lemon back in the day. Metal Arc Lemon, the Globetrotters, they used to shoot those kind of shots and make yeah. them. That's yeah, what it's turning exactly. into. It's pretty cool. Hey, speaking yeah. of the great uh, Will Chamberlain, uh, you know, he had the all-star game, all-time single game re- uh, point record. But, you know, in today's game, he wouldn't get enough touches at center to break that record. So I still no, think it's, I still think it's <laughs> no, Will's would not. record. You're right. Hey, we've been yeah, talking but, to Harvey Ketchum. again, you know what? It, 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 I guess a lot of it depends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You never <laughs> you know, know. Because once he, once he establishes himself, he says, hey, you know, give me the ball. Give me the ball. That's right, man. That's right. Give me the ball. Well, hey, yeah. we've been talking Good to man. great Harvey Ketchings with uh, 76ers and the Milwaukee Bucks, 12-year career in the NBA. Harvey, want to say thank you from all of us here at Docs and Jocks for coming on the show. We'll have to have you on again real soon. That sounds great. Thanks, guys. I All really right. enjoyed it. All right. Thank you. Hey, we'll be right back with All more right. Docs and Jocks Bye-bye. after this short commercial break. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician with Texas Sports Spine. Great to have you with us today. Just catching our show for the very first time. Want to find out more about our show? You can do that by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N. Jox.com, docsandjocks.com. There you can find out how to follow us on all social media. You can also listen to our iTunes podcast at Docs and Jocks. D O X N J O X. Joined each week by my co-host Ferris Potter. Ferris is the longtime voice of Grand Canyon University. Man, Ferris, been a fun show so far. We have had on a great guest with Harvey Ketchins, former NBA uh, center and twelve-year NBA uh, uh, all-time one of the all-time leading shot blockers in the NBA. How cool is that, Ferris? We just had him on. Yeah, I love talking to Harvey, man. We gotta we we gotta get him on more often. I know he's got an, an, uh, other things going on, but we gotta get him on more often. He's so cool, man. He's really big in the uh, WNBA as well because his daughter Tamika Catchings, one of the all-time WNBA uh, greatest players ever, she is uh, you know just retired, and so hopefully we can get her on. I think she's doing the SEC broadcasting now, so hopefully we can get her on in the near future. That'd be really great to have him and his daughter on both. Yeah, we need to get her on and break down the WBA, but also talk about how great that streak is that kind of UConn's on in uh, NCAA basketball. What, a, like 180 games or yeah. something like that they've it's, won? It's so many, it's almost hard to believe how, how crazy that streak is right it's now. It's crazy. So. Hey, a big uh, big guest uh, coming up here right now, one of my favorite people on the planet Earth. Uh, we have on uh, the legendary strength conditioning coach. He's actually referred to as legendary. the legend, Coach David Hess. Coach Hess has been uh, 30 years in the strength conditioning world. He's currently the strength and conditioning coach, the head strength and conditioning coach at uh, D1 Abilene. He's probably trained, uh, I don't know, Coach, probably, what, 500 NFL combine athletes over the years. I mean, that's probably pretty close when you start close, breaking yeah. it down for as many years yeah. you've done it, as many athletes as you have every year. And the NFL combine is upon us. So when I heard it was upon us and it was getting ready to kick off, I thought, who better to talk about how you uh, how these athletes prepare for the NFL combine than uh, yourself? So first of all, when you have an athlete comes to you and says, hey, I'm ready to gear it up for the next level, I want to go to the next level, and you've treated guys like or worked with guys like Daniel Manning, uh, Clyde Gates, guys that have gone on and had nice NFL careers. How do you take that uh, college athlete and start preparing him mentally and physically for the next level in the NFL? 
Well, first, you, of course, you get them ready for the test. There's five things they have to do, and that's 5-10-5 shuttle, 225 for reps on bench, broad jump, vertical, and the 40. You focus on those five things because mm-hmm. that you have 200. The numbers matter. The numbers matter. <laughs> you have 20,000 kids looking for 225 spots. That's what it breaks down to. Yeah, I remember medical school, they said, hey, don't worry about your grades. And you know, it's not that important. Just really focus on learning the material. Don't worry about the grades. And then residency comes about, and everybody asks you what your GPA was. I was like, hey, wait a minute. Grades matter. So <laughs> just does? like in the NFL, <laughs> you want to have a good bench press time. You want to have a good 40 time. Tell us the, uh, you know, obviously lots of different positions you worked with. You've worked with quarterbacks, running backs, obviously linemen. But how do you prepare? Let's take a, a lineman who has to be really physically strong, but you truly want them to be quick as well. How do you build quickness in an athlete at the same time you're trying to build strength? Brute strength and quickness seem like two different things, but how do you do them both at the same time work on them? Well, it, 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 you're right. The linemen are a different game, it's, and uh, their games play within 10 yards where receiver may be 100 yards. So you have to build them for that first 10, that first step, hands to the man type, we would call it, and uh, – a lot of med ball work, a lot of heavy med ball work, a lot of tire flips, a lot of sled pushing, pulling, pushing, right. pulling, a constant. And uh, the receiver, we're going to pull a sled with a speed, you know, more for speed. They'll pull it, we're pushing it. Right, absolutely. And then, Ferris, you have a quick question for Coach Hess? Well, I just want to know, Coach Hess, do you help them with the uh, the mental part, the test-taking part as well? Because we hear some guys give some screwball answers. I don't know if you ever <laughs> engage them and help them with that part of the interview part of it. Well, the they, they call it the Winlick test, and it's really just a simple test they write, you know, simple questions they write. But, I mean, some of these guys have trouble spelling their names sometimes, and you just wonder <laughs> what in the world. But uh, mentally you have to prepare them for the – I mean, they're really, really – the mental part for those five events is just incredible. Yeah. Because that's their one inch could cost them a million dollars. I mean, that's it's remember Clyde Gates when he went through Julio Jones went together. Yeah. And everything oh. was everything was an inch off. Julio beat him here, Clyde beat him, but you know, Julio's got wow. the big contract, he's gone and playing and Clyde didn't, you know, and Yeah, he had a good NFL career. He played for like four yeah. or five years, but had a good career, but definitely Julio Jones has taken off and went to the next level. Hey, talk about some of those guys you've had uh, that have gone on and really excel like the Danielle Mannings of the world, the guys who played you know, for nearly a decade in the NFL. When you were training them for the NFL Combine versus some of the athletes who haven't quite made it, was it the physical giftedness they had? Was it the uh, ability to put it all together? Were they just better mentally? What was it that allowed some of these guys to go on and have 10, 12-year careers because they all come back. I just saw Daniel Manning was here at D1 Abilene uh, last week, and he was thanking you for really his NFL career, getting him to that point, getting him ready. What, what do you think makes those guys special? The way they grew up. Really? All those guys grew up in dirt streets, Ashton, Clyde, all those guys in Vernon. Ashton Whiteside, we've had him on before. Clyde, you know, had no, you know, I never met his parents. You know, yeah. never once met his parents. But they were, so they're hard. They're what we call hard. You know, when they yeah. come up, they, they want it. They want it, yeah. You know, five bucks to them was like, 5,000 to somebody else. I mean, it was anything they could do to, and they worked the hardest for that. Danielle, huh, one in a million. Yeah. <laughs> First day I met him was with Dominique Rhodes at uh, ACU. I said, let's work out together today since he's already here. You know, he made Dominique look silly, and Dominique's been training for the whole summer. Yeah. You know, he's Dominique already, already playing the Super Bowl. Good career with the Super Bowl, yeah. Yeah, so it's just some guys are gifted. Clyde could run a 4 Yeah. You know. He uh, did it in the NFL Combine. Did it in the NFL Combine, yeah. Julio ran a four two three, you know, and yeah. he jumped forty feet in his vertical or forty inches vertical and Julio went forty one. You know, it's just that it's crazy. Wow. So you gotta prepare him for that type of situation where they maybe aren't gonna be as good as the other guy next to him or because only the top twenty position get to go to the big combine, so 
you're picked for that, you're pretty special. When you talk about that uh, background and really that drive that comes from knowing that you have to excel and you want to excel because of where you've come from, they don't have that. They have that no quit spirit. Is that something you can instill in somebody, or is that something that takes that you just have it or you don't? Is have you ever had a guy that you've seen early on in his career that did you thought? I don't think he has it mentally, and he developed a drive and, a, and an instinct to want to want to excel that he picked up over time. Most of those guys, something had to happen bad to them. Yeah. To, to you know, one of them lost their mom during workout. You know, things like that would say, "Hey, life's short. You know, yeah. get it while you can. Take care of the rest of your family because these guys have family." Danielle went to the combine at ACU. Probably he was the only one that did it. Thirty-two scouts and probably five hundred family members were there. Really? Just waiting to see what he signed for. Wow. So there's that pressure. You know, once he signs, they're going to be right at that front door. Yeah. You know, to this day, they're still yeah. hounding him. He had to move to Chicago to get away from it one time. Wow, wow. So, so it's, you, it's hard. It, it is tough. So, but it, to that point, though, things sometimes things that you perceive as bad things that happen in your life can be used to make you better. It can make you, be used to instill a drive in you. So it, even though it's bad at the time, it doesn't always have to be something that's negative all the way through your life. You can use that to your benefit. Right, and then most of them have. I'm telling you, a lot of these guys have, you know, lost cousins and uncles. And, you know, within the – I'm talking about within like a three-year span. Yeah. Losing whole families over drugs or whatever where they grew up. And uh, so like Ashton, Ashton White sides that are still playing Canadian and, you know, Frank Beltres and Clyde who's trying to get back in. Daryl Richardson is still playing in the you know NFL. And all these guys came from that type of background. But well, once they got up there, they were humble – and that's yeah. the part that shocked me the most. I thought once they get that, they're going to buy a house, a car. No. You know, Frank Beltre, and we've, if you listen to Docs and Jocks at all, we've had Frank Beltre, one of our favorite all-time guests uh, on the show. He's a guy that just made it with the uh, New York Jets after he started with the Chargers, and then he ended up going to um, Raiders. Raiders, and then he went to CFL for three years, and now he's back with the New York Jets. That guy had a drive. I mean, he, from the moment I met Frank, all the way through his workouts, he was serious. He worked it harder than anybody ever saw. He, If you gave him a workout, he didn't complain about it. He would kind of joke around sometimes, but he really didn't complain about it. He did it as hard as he could. And it didn't matter if he was playing ultimate football out here on our field with the eighth graders or he was competing in the NFL. He was going all out all the time. Every minute of his, yeah. of his workout. And I still send him workouts to this day, every day since he left here. And, uh, of course, he still sends some weird text back and forth but uh, um, he is with type that's very very grateful you know for what we yeah. did for him here he just walked in one day and no here he's kind of like a family now yeah so and that means a lot to me that's what makes my job you know fulfilling is watching guys like that compete and do well right right absolutely fair coach so much has turned into just what you do in the combine and what these measurements are i mean you're a football guy been a football guy for a long time do you think they they do that just to weed through a lot of guys or do they still miss on some guys who just might turn in those great numbers but would be great football players if they just gave them a shot tom they, they miss a ton of people you know tom brady ran a 5-2 in the combine he went i don't know what round he went in but you know romo uh wesley welker ran a 4-8 you know he's a receiver for all these years and yeah, they miss people, and uh, and I got to talk to these scouts for a long time, and like John Peterson, who was with Seattle for 13 years, now he's Carolina, he'll tell you he wants to come talk to them first. And they'll sit these kids down, and like Bernard, I told you at one time, he had all these tattoos. He goes, what's that one mean? What's that one mean? Are these gangs <laughs> going to – is it a gang? You know, they want to know – he right. wants to know all about the person. He could care less what he does in the combine because he said, we're spending a lot of money on you. We better be the right guy, yeah. knowing that he's already a good football player. I don't care if right. he's broad jump or whatever. Yeah. 
Hey, you know, you take these college athletes, obviously they're great athletes if they're considered and trained for the NFL Combine, and you, you always seem to make them better. It always, it always amazes me that these athletes have the ability to train this hard and work this hard their entire college career. It's amazing that you can then make them better. Have you ever had anybody that, that reached you and you were training them and you're like, man, that guy's about as good as he's going to get. He's already working that hard. I mean, he, have you ever had that kind of hard worker yet? I've had a couple like that, and they were ACU boys. But, uh, you know, great in the football field and then – Kind of, you know, petered out after that for a while. Then you get them back, and you, you it's, it takes encouragement, encouragement. But I've seen them go just the opposite way. Yeah. I don't know what causes that. They just get tired of it, I think, and they see the writing on the wall. You know, well, you know, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. Or yeah. you get to a combine, you know, they get the best, the best there. And how fun is it for you to go after you watch these guys train with you? You get to know them on a personal level. You know, you've seen them on, uh, you know, basically during all their work and grinding through the, the uh, off season, And then you see him on Sunday. You sit down and watch a Sunday football game, and there is a guy, uh, you know, Johnny Knox, Daniel Manning, Bernard Scott, Clyde Gates. You see these guys out on the field. It's, it's got to make uh, your Sunday NFL watching a little bit more fun. Well, the best feeling for me is when Daniel walked right. in the other day and gave me a hug. Yeah. He yeah. already played his nine years, <laughs> you know, but he came back to say thank you. That means more than watching these guys catch a touchdown Yeah, to me. And it's just when he came in, just humble as he, you know, hug and – Boy, I love you. Thanks a lot for my career. You know, that kind of thing. That makes it – I could care less if you had an interception that day. Yeah, all these guys, to a person, Ferris, all these uh, NFL guys have gone through and worked with Coach Hess. They all come back to him, and they basically tell me, they're like, Coach Hess is – they probably tell Coach Hess too, but they tell me that you're the reason that they that they made it into the NFL and uh, they all basically treat you as if they're, you're their second dad. In some cases, they say you, you were their dad. I mean, really. Well, you were the male figure in their life, put it that way. There's many times I kept them in school and, you know – and. But it's things I know that coaches didn't need to know. Yeah. Because they're not perfect. <laughs> Nobody's perfect, you know. And some of the stuff they did wasn't that big a deal, but it would have cost them their career. Yeah. You know, and, and you've been doing this uh, strength conditioning over the last uh, 30 years. Over time, has your NFL combine training changed? Have you adapted? Have you, have you become different with it? Is it similar than what you, when you started? How much has it changed? And, and if so, what has changed? I tell you, with me, I've, I've gone back the other route. I've gone back to old school. Old school, yeah. It seems like that with your workouts now. Yeah. Most NFL combine training programs like a D1. Well, you look at they're hooked up to computers. They're yeah. on the treadmill doing this and that, which is cute, you know. But if they're not, if they can't go out there and flip a big tire 20 times and run after that and, you know, pull a plate, it's functional training. If they can't do that, they're not going to make it. Yeah. I don't care what they do on a treadmill. They, you know, all the VO2, mag, all the stuff they give them now, it's kind of cool, but. If they can't be a man stuff and do some, you know, take it beyond what they can do, throw up and bleed a little bit, then they're not going to make it. Man, you get me all fired up here, man. I'm starting to think of Rocky <laughs> right now, man. Like hanging from the ceiling like Rocky and beating him in the gut when he's doing his sit-ups and stuff. But it sounds a little bit like that. Like, Well, Joe Green tossed hay all day. All yeah. summer he tossed hay. He never lifted a day in his I life. I say that all the time on the show. And when I'm working out, I said uh, – all Coach Hess has done is basically take my Southern Illinois farm boy uh, growing up experience and put it inside of a gym. I mean, I feel like the things we do, throw a sandbag over my shoulder, I'm just bailing hay. Only thing that changes, you're indoors. Yeah, yeah and when you're I'm uh, swinging a sledgehammer on a tire, I was, that's the only thing that is. I'm, I was building fence back when I was young. So I feel like a lot of the things you do is farm boy type strong, which is functional strength training. Well, look at the injury compared to then and now. Yeah. I mean, you get you break a nail, you're off for a week. You know, there, <laughs> you yeah. play with broken bones I mean, because they were tougher. Yeah, you're so right. So that's what you try to develop, make them tougher now than just better. Yeah. 
So, uh, man, I want to say uh, thanks, Coach Hess. I and mean, I know from all the NFL guys, from, uh, man, everybody we've had on the show, Frank Beltre, Clyde Gates, uh, Ashton Whiteside, uh, Daniel Manny, Johnny Knox, all these guys have said uh, that you're the reason they made the NFL, and thank you for uh, all the years you've put in and worked with. And now you're doing it with just regular adults like me here at D1 Abilene. Man, it's, it's, uh, I don't even think people understand what a uh, treat it is to have a guy like you writing our workouts for us, pushing us to be better, making it fun and enjoyable while we're doing it. So from all of those guys as well as all of us uh, regular Joes that you're now training, man, we all want to say thank you, and we appreciate everything you've done over the years. Well, I love it. You know that. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> Ferris, you have any parting words for Coach Hess? Keep it up, man. Keep it rolling, and don't be a hey, get get to Dr. Dan and Hawk in there and have them stick each other. You got to yes. be fired up. He needs Again, to I'm good. Again, I'm good with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he gets fired up, and in college, I I'd, I'd make fun of his his old high school, and uh-huh. he'd just. Knock me down wherever I was. Does that, you know? does that, does that surprise you, Coach? No, not yeah, at all. all right, all right. <laughs> well, they were the flaming heart. I know. They, they were, were the flaming, flaming heart. I know. and It's hard. I don't even say that out here. <laughs> that or yoga, two words I don't use out well, here. Well, I think it's time to close and go to commercial break right now, you two. So, hey, we'll be right back with more Docs and Jocks after the short commercial break. When athletes enter into a new athletic season, there is always excitement and anticipation as to what that season could bring. Teams are starting fresh and have visions of wins and championships playing through their heads. But with this excitement can also come pressure, and this pressure can come in many forms. Maybe a team won the championship the year before, and they feel the pressure to do so again. Maybe a player is on varsity team for the first time, and he feels the pressure to succeed and earn a starting spot. Also, many athletes will put extreme pressure on themselves to succeed and will almost expect perfection out of themselves. While pressure is not necessarily a negative thing and can be used to push athletes to work harder and play better, it can negatively affect a player or team and cause unneeded anxiety and stress. It is important for athletes to learn how to deal with and use pressure to their advantage. They need to learn to see pressure situations as challenges and not threats. If you or an athlete or team you know would like to learn more about how to handle pressure and even succeed under it, you can contact The Edge Mental Strength Training by clicking on our link at docsandjocks.com. This has been your Mental Strength Minute. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, coming to you live from inside Docs and Jocks radio studio. Just get to your sports medicine show for the very first time and want to find out more about it, you can do that by going to docsandjocks.com, or you can follow us at your own convenience anytime, anywhere on the iTunes app, Docs and Jocks. That's D-O-X-N-J-O-X. Joined each week by my co-host, Ferris Potter. Ferris is the voice of Grand Canyon University, longtime sports broadcaster. We do want to say thank you to all our wonderful sponsors here on Docs and Jocks, including West Texas neurosurgeons, Dr. Trammell, Dr. Brown, and Dr. Edelman. Very apropos, Ferris, as we have online with us, Dr. Stephen Brown. Dr. Brown, thanks for being on uh, Docs and Jocks. Thanks for having me, Dan. Uh, Dr. Brown Pleasure. is a world-renowned uh, neurosurgeon with West Texas <laughs> Neurosurgery. He laughs, but he really is. I mean, you had a great background. You're, a, you're, you're one of our favorite guests here on Docs and Jocks. And we like talking about uh, spine injuries and different types of uh, brain injuries with Dr. Dr. Brown and Dr. Elliman, Dr. Trammell. But, Dr. Brown, I thought we could talk about uh, you and I take care of a lot of people with back issues. And I think it's a real misconception that once you've had a, a disc herniation and you uh, see a, a great surgeon like yourself and you have a surgery – that you're not at risk to have something else happen to your back. And we see this now with Rob Gronkowski. He had, uh, he's now just finished his third back surgery. He's had three disc herniations. He's went in and had what's called a discectomy. And you can tell our listening audience what that means. But now he uh, says he's back and he's fully functional. He's ready to go again. But why is it that, uh, tell our listening audience, why it is that back injuries oftentimes can be so recurrent? 
Well, you're absolutely right. Uh, it's uh, because it's a degenerative problem, and it's uh, uh, something that just progresses every day of your life. And, uh, you know, we start out all young and healthy with good young and healthy discs, and with age and wear and tear, those things wear out and break down. And um, uh, even if we go in and do surgery to repair a problem with the disc, that doesn't necessarily mean it's brand new and as good as new again. Um, that's you know, a lot of misconceptions I, I try to clear up with patients when I see them and counsel them before surgery so they'll know what to expect. Um, the procedure microdiscectomy is one commonly done when someone has a lumbar disc herniation. Um, a herniation is where um, it's a type of degeneration of the disc where part of the disc comes out. I know you use that that uh, jelly donut yes, uh, analogy do. all the yeah. time where yeah. you have um, that center part of the disc kind of squeeze out, and if it uh, comes out and hits a nerve, it irritates that nerve or compresses the nerve, and the patient will get pain, weakness, or numbness in their leg. And so the procedure we do uh, for that is called a microdiscectomy. It's a very minimally invasive outpatient-type surgery that's uh, uh, effective in taking away that pressure on that nerve and taking away the pain in the leg, but it doesn't always take away the back pain um, that can sometimes be associated with that as well. It, it usually does help, but it doesn't always take that away, and it doesn't necessarily mean the patient won't ever have problems with that disc again. Um, in fact, uh, you know, the contrary is true, that uh, that disc has already started to deteriorate um, and has herniated, and so um, there's risk that that could uh, uh, further deteriorate in the future and, and more surgery might be required. It's like what you're talking about, trying to educate your patients both before and uh, I get them a lot of times after surgery because my field is a physical medicine rehabilitation doctor. I oftentimes see patients who've had a previous surgery. They're maybe still having some difficult times doing uh, functional activities because they do have some residual back pain. And you and I work very closely with a lot of physical therapists and occupational therapists. But I think one of our jobs that really, to, and one of the things we do here on Docs and Jocks is trying to educate patients that, hey, once you've had this surgery, you realize that you still have to work on the mus- muscular core that goes around your spine. That the uh, It's almost like an internal corset you have to stabilize your back, or maybe a back brace would be a better way to put it that you really have to work on and trying to get a patient to buy into the post-surgical rehabilitation of trying to strengthen your core and learn correct body mechanics, that's almost as important in an athlete or maybe even more important than the surgery itself. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. And I you know, counsel patients usually at that, that last uh, follow-up visit saying, okay, now you're, you're recovered well from the surgery. Here are the things that you can do to try to prevent this from becoming a problem in the future. Um, uh, and you're right about you, know, you have to counsel the patient so that they – have the correct uh, expectations of what to, what what life after surgery is going to be like, but also what what can they do to maybe help prevent this from becoming a problem in the future? Like you mentioned, core strengthening, proper lifting techniques, um, your uh, muscles around the spine. If you can strengthen those and um, uh, allow those to stabilize the the vertebrae and the discs, um, then there's less forces on those discs, so they'll wear out uh, slower. Right, fierce. Yeah, Dr. Brown, I mean, I would assume a professional athlete, he's doing everything he needs to do to get back. He's doing all those programs. You're not having to, well, I shouldn't assume that. You're not having to convince him too much to do all that rehab and things. But if you you go through and do all those things, they do all the protocols to get back and get healthier. Is there any way to tell whether they're going to have that issue again? Or are they just kind of hedging their bets and making it more difficult to have that again by doing everything? Well, it it can be hard to predict. There are some factors that uh, um, may play a role. So, uh, sometimes patients can develop instability at a joint in their spine, uh, something called a spondylolisthesis. Sometimes they can have uh, a stress fracture, something called a PARS defect. And those are things that might uh, mean the disc is probably going to wear out faster. And, and sometimes 
uh, a fusion surgery is required. Um, that's usually not always uh, the case in a, a young professional athlete, but uh, there are some things that uh, you can tell based on the imaging um, studies that, that may pretend a, a more uh, uh, ominous prognosis uh, that they might not uh, you know, be able to return to play. You know, at that level. And Ferris, kind of uh, expound on that a little bit. I think one of the things we had your bet in, Dr. Brown and I do, had your bets on, is at what level were they returned as far as where they were at previously. So you take a guy like a Tiger Woods, a great elite golfer who now has multiple back surgeries. He's still an incredible golfer. In the, in the, in the big scheme of things, he's still an incredibly elite golfer, but he was never quite able to get back to that level he was before. And part of that could be when your back hurts, it's remember you're kind of twisting and bending and turning around that. I always say you're a, you're a box with four little pendulums hanging off of it. And when you've injured the, the main structure inside the box, now suddenly everything else doesn't work quite the same. So I would think, Dr. Brown, that the hard part for my patients is to tell them, you know, I, I think we can have, obviously get a good outcome from this with a good surgeon, with a good rehabilitation program, pre- and post-surgery. You can have a good outcome as far as feeling better, but can we get you back to that elite status where you were just as good or better than you were before your surgery? That's that's the hard part to predict for me. I agree, and um, you know, there uh, we've talked about Tiger Woods and cases like him before, and I've done a little bit of research on that. And there's there's not really much uh, um, in the literature about uh, professional golfers, and it yeah. seems like that would be one of the sports that's you know maybe next to football is one of the most um, uh, stressful on the spine with right. all the uh, torquing and twisting that's uh, involved in the, the golf swing. But um, I don't think that's really been studied as far as you know how uh, likely are professional golfers to return to that elite level um, after they've uh, had lumbar spine surgery. I know a lot of my patients, you know, have jobs that uh, you know are very physical in nature, and 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 they uh, are abusing their spines or using their spines as much or more than some of these professional athletes and and a lot of them you know go on to continue doing the job that they were doing before and and do it for a long time so it can be very difficult to predict yeah and the spinal world is one of the toughest ones i think uh because there's so many moving parts like dr brown talked about you know we're not just talking about a herniated disc you can also have bony issues in your spine you can have nerve issues in your spine so there's so many different things that go on there's so many moving parts i try to use the analogy dr brown with my patients and your patients as well that your, your spine is kind of like one of those long little uh, you know, wooden snakes that we used to play with as a kid. There were all those moving parts, and they all had to move just right to make it all work correctly. So when you have an injury to one part, it's, it's not just that one part. When you're talking about the spine, it really affects multiple different things at multiple different levels. So it's really, I, I think we should all, and this is just going back to my medical education with musculoskeletal medicine, I think we should learn the spine first because it's the most difficult, the most intricate part of the body other than maybe the brain to understand completely. And then we work out into the other things like the extremities, the joints, the knees, the hips, the backs. But I think the spine is the place to start. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's, uh, like you said, a lot of uh, issues involved, and and uh, it can be very complicated. Yep. Ferris? Hey, Dr. Brown, you know, going back to Rob Gronkowski or a professional athlete, I, I would imagine – you know, if it's just a, um, a weekend warrior or a guy with a job, you can kind of maybe tweak the way they do their job to help them, um, you know, after they get back going. But really, you can't. I mean, can you do anything in football, playing the game of football to try to guard against having the injury again once you go back and start playing? That's a good question. And I, I not that I'm aware of. I don't I don't know what how yeah. he could change, especially the way he plays. You know, it's very know. physical. Uh, right. Um, and uh, seems to be a little bit injury prone. He's had so many injuries and three back surgeries, like you mentioned. Um, 
I think uh, I think he probably can go back and continue at that high level. Uh, I, there are studies that show that you know professional athletes who've had lumbar disc operations can go back and and uh, continue to play at a very high level. Um, I think what um, where you, we would see a, a problem potentially is you know ten, fifteen, twenty years down the road. Uh, I think that's when he's mm. really going to start paying for um, uh, the abuse and use that he's uh, uh, done for you know a living right now. What I always tell yeah. my parents and my young athletes when I take care of them here in uh, my practice, my day job, I always tell them that basically, uh, you know, you're playing a violent game. There's no way around it. You know, football is just it, you can't protect yourself from your new correct body mechanics in football. You can't, uh, you know, predict when someone's going to hit you in such a way that it puts excessive stress on your back. So if they understand it's a violent game and they're going back and there's a risk to have an injury, especially once you've had a back injury, a lot of people will choose to go back into it. Some of them don't. Some have had, you know, back injuries and they decide, hey, it, that 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 was uh, that was not something. I I want to go through again, and they'll give up their uh, football career, whether it's high school or college. So, yeah, it's a difficult part. It's a difficult game to play if you're completely healthy. It's incredibly difficult <laughs> when you've had an injury and an injury that is can be debilitating as uh, football can be. But, yeah, it is a violent game, and there's no way really around that. So, hey, Dr. Brown, I want to say thanks for coming on, Docs and Jocks. We always enjoy having you guys on and uh, really appreciate uh, West Texas neurosurgeons, uh, Dr. Trammell, Dr. Edelman, your partners as well. I want to say thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. All right. Thanks. Hey, Ferris, I think that's one of the things we talk about when we uh, talk about football and back injuries. It is, I've had this discussion with so many young athletes over the years that once you feel like uh, once you start having back injuries, like, oh, man, it's going to be so recurrent again. <clears throat> you know, they're going to have another injury followed by another injury that you try and encourage them. But there's no way to predict if they're going to have that back injury again as a young parent. That's why football is so difficult, I think, not only with the head injuries, but yeah. knee injuries and back injuries and all the things that happen. So backs are, are – you only get one set of it, right? And like Dr. Brown said, it's really hard to predict. Even after a good surgical repair, it's hard to predict if you're going to be able to go back and play football again. Well, and you see you know, you know, see a lot of guys who play almost any professional sport. Uh, you know, even, even you might think, oh, well, baseball is not as tough on you. You see guys once they get – usually around their, their 40s for football and maybe basketball. But, but once again, their 50s, man, if they've had multiple injuries, multiple surgeries, it's just tough to get around, man. Your your body just breaks down more so it seems. And so I think he's, you know, when he said, hey, look, I think he can come out and play. I think he could avoid injury. I think where he's going to feel it is when he retires. Yeah. 10 years after he retires, he's going to go, oh, there's that back surgery I had when I was 25, 26. Now yeah. it's really tough to deal with. Yeah, the way it works is when you're in your uh, 20s and 30s, you bend over inappropriately. Maybe you played football when you were 18, 19. You get little tears in the disc. So your disc is like a jelly donut. Like we, I've told use this analogy with you a lot, Ferris. <laughs> I love this analogy. Gooey centers have these really tough outer rings. It's actually really a bad analogy because really the way it works is more like a radial. Really? It's more like a radial tire. Think of those rings as like one okay. layer going around at a diagonal, then the other layer goes around. It's more like a tough, tough radial tire. A jelly donut almost implies like, you know, it's real soft and gooey. But it's really not. It's pretty tough. But it's good. Yeah, it is good. I love Oh, I love Krispy Kremes. <laughs> I but eat a jelly donut at a time. I can't even talk about jelly donuts and not want to eat one. That's how That's how bad I have a sweet tooth. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. But you have a gooey Get center. Get me a jelly donut. Yes. Get in my belly. So you got a gooey center and tough outer rings. And so you tear, get the little tears on those outer rings when you're younger. Those are called annular tears. And then when you get in your 30s and 40s, then those tears kind of coalesce or get together. And now they make a big tear that enough 
so far enough so mm-hmm. that the jelly of the jelly donut leaks out the tear, and that's what a disc herniation is. It pooches out the outer edge of your jelly donut. Now imagine a jelly donut, instead of being nice and oval, it's got a little bleb on the back side of it. The problem with that is right behind the back edge of that disc or that jelly donut, there lives a nerve that gets ready to go down your leg, and if it pushes on that nerve, it gives you a really bad pinched nerve feeling, which is very, very painful. Anybody who's had a toothache knows what nerve pain feels like. Imagine having yeah. a toothache shooting down your leg, and that's what that feels like. Let me ask you this. I've, I've heard I've, I've got buddies who played. Usually it's college football, high school college football, and they've had back injuries. Uh-huh. And a lot of times, you know, they, they, they sustain them, you know, late teens or early 20s. And a doctor will say, you know what? I wouldn't do surgery now, but you might need it in the future. And then by the time they need the surgery, they're in their 40s and it takes it's so much harder to recover. Why don't they just say, hey, do it now, man? Is it just because it's still always better to put off cutting your body as yeah. far as possible because if you're talking about back pain in and of itself the really the only surgery we have that tries to treat a degenerative disc and most of the time when you're younger you don't have a degenerative disc you have a, a disc with a tear in it well there's no surgery for the tear and there's okay. no surgery for the disc bulge unless it's pinching the nerve then you trim the disc bulge off so if you just have back pain and you're in your 20s and 30s the only treatment we have is to take the disc out and fuse it to the bone above and below it well, the problem with that is, going back to my analogy with the wooden snake, if you have a wooden snake and you super glue two segments together and you wiggle the snake, it now moves abnormally above and below where you super glued it, right? There's more movement because yeah, right, it no yeah. longer moves at that segment. So if you do that in a guy who's 20, 30 years old, and then you suddenly say, hey, go out and live a normal life, they've got another 60 years on the planet, right? So they're double time the level above and below their surgery. So there's really not. Mm, you really see. don't want to don't do surgery like a fusion too early in a person who has a relatively normal disc. A, a, a very, very good surgeon one time told me there is no condition we can't make worse with inappropriate surgery. <laughs> so that's a very good surgeon. But they always want to do surgeries. It's, it's nice that nowadays yeah. they're they're telling people not to do them. I remember back in the day, it was like, nah, let's just cut that thing. Let's yeah, do it, man. Yeah, but unfortunately in the back world, it doesn't work that easy. You just don't want to jump into it unless you have a very good surgeon who's, who's counseled you on all the things pre- and post-surgery like Dr. Brown and I were talking about earlier. But uh, you really want to go into it with your eyes wide open with a really strong back to start with. And then guess what? After surgery, you have a really strong back and you tend to do better. So if anything, strengthen your core. Remember that, strengthen your core. All right. Hey, we'll be right back with more Docs and Jocks after this short commercial break. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan, coming to you live from inside Docs and Jocks Radio Studio. Great to have you with us today. If you just catch our show for the very first time, want to follow us on social media or follow us to uh, learn more about our sports medicine show, you can do so by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. You can also follow us on iTunes at our iTunes app, Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. Hey, Ferris, do you listen to a lot of podcasts, man? I've gotten into a lot of podcasts lately. I'll enjoy doing it. I do a lot of I traveling do. with baseball with my son, and I enjoy podcasts like the one we have with Docs and Jocks. I've enjoyed uh, – I listen to Team Never Quit. You ever listen to that one, the the uh, two Navy SEALs guys talking to – You know, it? I did I did for a while because you recommended it, and I get, I'm going to catch the ire of everybody in the state of Texas, but, man, their accents and their Texas talk is <laughs> no. so thick. After a while, I'm like – I got. I, I can't have any more. They, Doggone it, boy! Are you doing it, dude? You know they they, yeah. they come across so yeah. Texas sometimes. They do. Like, they absolutely do. And their backgrounds are unbelievable. They man. are. Yeah, you're talking to the Lone Survivor guys. So yeah, it's pretty cool, man. I love yeah. that one. But if you want to listen to the Docs and Jocks podcast, you can do so by going to iTunes. Go to Docs and Jocks. D O X N J O X. Hey, Ferris. We have online Mike Morocco. Uh, he is known for being uh, the uh, host of Rock and Manouche. He is uh, on also on 1580. 
99.3 The Fanatic, as well as uh, soon to be on 99.1 as they launch that one. Stations that we're also heard here on our, heard there in Phoenix. Uh, thanks for being on the show, Mike. What's going on, guys? Uh, thanks for having me on. I got to tell you, last uh, last week I learned a lot about how to ride a bull. And I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, I had no idea. Yes. And I was like, wow, I'm, you know, listening, you know, and I'm like, this is great. I mean, I had no idea. Great interview last week. Yeah, and he was one of the top five all-time bull riders, uh, Terry Don West, man. And so we did. We don't know a whole lot about bull riding either, but, man, what a cool dude to talk to you. Talk about some tough guys, man. Bull, oh bull riders, hockey players, uh, those those types of guys, uh, they're, they, they're a different breed altogether. Hey, speaking of a uh, great show, man, you guys uh, now Rock and Manoush has been the longest-running afternoon drive show in the Valley. Congratulations. And uh, doing well on 1580 and 99.3, the Fanatic. And uh, so tell us about those stations and how the launch of the stations and the show's going. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, we're really excited to have you here. And, uh, you know, Manuch, my partner, it's the longest relationship I've ever been in. And uh, we're uh, 13 <laughs> years we've been doing, doing drive time. So uh, uh, I hope, hope my girlfriend's not listening right now. But, yeah, it's the longest relationship I've ever been in. But uh, uh, going well, uh, you know, we're really excited. I mean, here we are uh, launching the station and now just two weeks in and having you guys on board. And, and that's a big part of this. And, the fact that what you guys are doing is completely out of the realm here. And, and Arizona, Phoenix needs a show like what you guys are doing. I think it's great. 1580, we're a 50,000-watt station that hits from Flagstaff to Tucson. Right now, with the launch, we're only about 25% of capacity. Uh, with FM station, two FM stations that are 99.3, which is up and running. And then, of course, 99.1, as you mentioned, is coming in about two weeks. So a huge station, gigantic uh, signal this week we announced uh, we're the home of NASCAR we're the home of uh, prep sports uh, and arena league and Arizona Rattler so in just in one week we made a big announcement with you know three big name uh, you know entities and assets to our uh, to our station and being a CBS sports affiliate along with SB Nation which is based out there in in in, in Texas and it just uh, it's great that uh, that we're we're here and be AMFM and, and have such a big powerful station and have you know a unique show you know we're the fanatic we got a lot of fanatics and we uh, are, are sports fans that are just not all about X's and O's but a lot of interaction a lot of uh, you know conversation and discussion and debate and I think that's what makes the station unique and and uh, we're getting uh, some, some great, great uh, response from, awesome. from uh, all over the country. And, uh, again, very excited to have you guys on board. Well, we appreciate that. Ferris? Hey, Rock. Hey, glad you could come on, man. Good talking to you. I've been talking to you, like, every day this week, I think, on the radio. This I, I, I know. And, 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 and Dr. Dan, so you know, uh, you know, Michael Potter and I go way back to the first station I was ever on. He basically helped me get into radio. Like 20 years ago. Holy and, cow. Uh, we call him the Colonel. Yep. Colonel Potter. <laughs> you know, that's, he's, he's the Colonel. Yeah. But, you know, uh, Rock, Rock, and I, Rock and I met at the Arizona Fall League back in 1992 to put a date on that. And wow. uh, then we got to start doing radio talk and golf and then Rock and Mo and Rock and Wolf and now Rock and Mnuch. And that's incredible. You guys have been together that long. It's a fun relationship. But Rock, you was, ever since I've known you, you've always been a go-getter. You've always been really good at this radio stuff and the media stuff. What what put it into you guys' brain to, to get your own station and start a brand-new station in a pretty competitive market with uh, a couple other pretty good uh, sports stations in the Valley? Well, you know, Colonel, it's was, it was been my dream always to have my own station. And my business model, owning my own sports business marketing company or sports marketing company for the last 20 years was to 
you know, I've always been buying time and then reselling it. And I've practically, the station that, were, that I was on, which was the NBC affiliate, we basically were the franchise. We owned drive time, we owned weekends, we owned all these specialty shows like fitness and golf and things of that sort. And I said, hey, you know, for many years, I, you know, I, I got to take this to another level. I said, you know, marketing and sports, you can do it together. You know, you you can you got something here. So, myself, uh, believe it or not, I went to a, a local cigar shop and uh, met a guy that owned another station called Money Radio in Phoenix and in Palm Springs, and we started a, a conversation and a friendship five six years ago. And uh, about a year ago, we we started looking, and we finally found uh, you know a station and. Here we are. You know, we're uh, two weeks in and making some noise. And just again, it's just it's just like anything, guys. You know, you want to work in sports. You want to be on the radio. You want to own a team. You know, I, I like the business side of sports. You know, I have a master's degree in sports administration from Ohio U and been with a lot of different teams. And, you know, it's just something I've always wanted and, and, and finally got that dream and got that opportunity with Ron Cohen here. And here we are. And, uh, you know, it's still keeping that business model in the sense of bringing shows on, giving people opportunities and, we're going to be launching a uh, what we call fan cast, which is going to hit here in a, in a, in a couple months, or actually a couple weeks, I should say, where people can hear us worldwide. And I think that's going to be great. And you guys are a big part of that because we all know that podcasts and streaming is, is huge. And, and, you know, like again, when I said in the outset, what you guys do is so much different. I mean, and, and that's what I think makes radio great. AM, FM, doesn't matter. As long as you're on the radio, and you and you have a platform, and you can have some success, and you, and you can have a pretty good living. And, and I've been fortunate enough to do that. You know, it's been, been great too being part of uh, the Fanatic in uh, 1580. You know, getting to be part of the that program right before the NFL games kick off. That's going to be huge too, because a lot of people want to know, especially with fantasy football taking off the way it is. Uh, you know, being able to hear what the injuries are to your favorite player, to your team, what those injuries might mean, how long they might be out, how it's going to affect your favorite team. All those things, are, I think it's perfect timing going on right before those NFL games kick off. So I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, I got to tell you, Dr. Dan, the fact that you guys, you know, here we are on a Sunday morning and, and you know, it's a Wolves football season. That's what people are doing. You're up yeah. early and you're looking at your you're looking at your phone, you're, you're on your computer, you're, you're making changes to your lineup and and now there's a place where you go and get last minute, last minute, uh, you know, updates. And I, I think it's huge. And when we started talking about this, I'm like, this a perfect, perfect match. And I'm excited that you guys uh, decided to say, hey, you know, we we found, you know, Phoenix is a big market. I mean, you guys are all over in Texas, and and it sounds as though the station, the show is growing. And before you know yeah. it, we got to get you to Palm Springs. We got to get you all <laughs> yeah, over the country. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, keep the brand going. Yeah, man. Man, I like your energy, man. I'm all pumped up now. I want to go start growing the show and get my own station. <laughs> You're awesome, man. I love your energy. Ferris, any question? Ready to go. Hey, Rock, yeah, well, we'll have to have Dr. Dan on you guys' show sometime when you have a big, we have a big local football injury. You Absolutely. can break it down for you. But, man, you and Manooch have such a great relationship. You had Crespin to the mix there. Um, you know, I was listening just this no, week. No, and, uh, you guys no, always we give... don't. We don't. Don't go there. No. You do. One thing about you do. The, it's why, your, why it's work. Longest why ever. it's work, Colonel, it's work because we don't hang out outside of work. I mean, he's been married for many years. <laughs> we've never been on a double date. We've never gone out and had beers after work or anything like that. No, that's that no, his choice I, or yours. Three hours is, that, is all is I can choice handle. Or yours? Say that again. Is that his choice? Your is that his choice or yours, Rock? That you don't hang out after? Oh, work? that's mine. That's mine. <laughs> totally mine. Well, see, we're just different. You know, he's you know, I'm 48. He's 59. And, 
you know, he's the professional athlete, quarterback in the NFL. I'm, the, you know, I'm the guy that was on the sideline doing stats. You know, so it's just two different guys, and that's what makes it work. And it's why you guys, it works with you guys. I mean, yeah, I believe in that. You got to be opposites in some sense, and I think that's what what keeps our discussions going every day. There's always something to talk about. And the problem is with him is he loves to talk. He grew up with three sisters, and you know, he's uh, he's a talker. I have to put him on a work count, you know, on the show. So it's rough. Hey, Rock, let me go back yeah. in time a little bit on the uh, Arizona Fall League. Man, you and uh, Ferris, I call him Ferris here because he looks like Matthew Broderick. That was his college nickname, by the way. Yes, he does. Yes, yes he does. Yes, so, <laughs> so we going back in time a little bit, tell us how you guys getting your start at the Arizona Fall League. That had to be a blast. When Arizona Fall League first started off, you got all kind of the early, you know, early great prospects. The uh, Ryan Kaleskos of the world were playing Arizona Fall League. Tell us what that was like getting your start there and uh, starting in uh, the Arizona Fall League. What's great about the Fall League was is we were essentially general managers of baseball teams, wow. and, and this was a brand new, brand new league. And people may remember when when Michael Jordan played in the Arizona Fall League. He oh, played for yeah. the totally Scorpions yeah. with the Chicago White Sox. That was year two in the league, so yeah. we were year one. So, but we did everything from you know taking tickets to you know uh, you know get the balls ready for the umpires. You, that you did everything, <laughs> and it was great because you got to see everything behind the scenes and you know the way it was set up. You had the six. You had six teams on each team, meaning you know, six organizations would bring five or six guys. And I think Mike Lieberthal, if you remember that, Michael, he, yeah. was, he was our catcher. That was like the big name we had with the Phillies. And we yep. played out in, in, uh, in where the uh, Milwaukee Brewers used to train in Chandler. It's called Chandler, Arizona, Compadre Stadium. But the great thing about that league is you learn a lot. But, but the problem was is the only people that were there were the scouts. <laughs> you could count right. how many people were oh, at wow. a game. Yeah, you know, so I don't know, Michael. If that does some of the similar memories, but uh, by far it was really great to be part of something like that 25 years ago. You know, it's one of the yeah, things. Yeah, it was the, awesome. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I remember the same things, and they're still having trouble getting guys out there. But you know, we worked with some guys. Uh, the guy I worked with, Dave Godfrey, got all the way up to assistant GM with the with the Astros, and then the other guy, Bobby Evans, is the uh, Bobby GM Evans. or president, whatever they call him, with the San Francisco Giants right now. And we started with him, you know, 30 years ago, whenever it was. It's crazy, and uh, you, know, you wonder if, we, if you would have stuck with it. You know, I, I went from uh, the Arizona Fall League to the uh, Phoenix Firebirds. We were AAA for the Giants, and then we had to move. We moved to Fresno once the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks came to town, and then I went to the Oakland A's after that, ran spring training. So that was my taste of baseball for about four or five years, and you wonder if you stuck with it, where would you be now? Would I be a GM, or would I be, you know, the, the right. sales guy, or could I be the color analyst? I don't know. I mean, it's... Uh, it, it, but it, would, it was a great experience, and the people you met, it, it, was, it was outstanding. It was, it was I would awesome. never change a thing. You, know, you guys may not realize this, but it's such a, a wonderful thing you have there in the Valley going on. You've got spring training baseball, which it doesn't get any better than spring training baseball. Everybody's hopes are high, and all the teams coming out there to you. You have the Arizona Fall League. And then you got a great college baseball. You got Arizona State University doing what they've done for, you know, the last three or four decades. And then obviously now you got Grand Canyon University, a program that's up and coming, going Division One. It looks like they're going to be really building out their baseball program. But all the great baseball you have in the Valley, it is absolutely amazing. You guys, I don't even know if you know how spoiled you are. Very few places in the country and, and, have that much baseball. And, not to mention a lot of teams from out, uh, a lot of teams in, uh, in other countries. You know, come yeah. here to train. Right. You'll see, you know, from Japan and, and Germany and, and Italy. You know, all over the world, they come to train here because of the, because of the weather. And you know, and Grand Canyon. What's ironic about Grand Canyon? I know Mike would talk a lot about Grand Canyon. Is the fact that you know they they've had a, a strong history of, of being a great program in baseball. 
But, you know, this past week, you know, they, they, they clobbered, you Oklahoma know, State. Uh, Oklahoma State. Yeah. And then Arizona Oklahoma State, State got yeah. beat by Oklahoma State. I know. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Go Lopes. Changing the guard here in Arizona. I know. It is amazing. And plus, we're getting ready to build a, a $17 million baseball field renovation not even to build it a new park just building a re- renovating the one they have and it's already a nice stadium so a lot of crazy stuff going on there at grand canyon university sure and beating oklahoma state ferris that had to be huge for the grand canyon program did it not oh yeah taking two Michael, three, and then yeah. the, the, two days later two days later they played uh, at the diamondbacks in the d-backs collegiate baseball challenge which is a lot of fun for the guys too so it's been a great week and now they're playing wichita state this weekend yeah it's a good sports town i mean it really is uh, unfortunately uh, we don't win anything but uh, it's, <laughs> at, least, at least we have all the teams. Other I mean, than it's, that. Been, it's been tough. I mean, it really has been tough with all the sports teams. No one has had much success, and and that's unfortunate because. Uh, and the thing is, everybody's from somewhere else. Not, no one's from here, and you know, at least in Texas. I mean, it's so big in Texas, and there's so many things to do there as well. But at least you guys have Super Bowl victories. You have you know championships and and uh, and, and such long history in, in your in your sports. Uh, I just hope that. You know, Phoenix will get there someday because it's still, it is really, it's still a young, young city, very young city. Young sports town, yeah. Hey, so someone here in our listening audience uh, throughout, uh, we run basically from Dallas to Phoenix, Central West Texas area, all the way out to Phoenix. If someone in our uh, listening uh, area, audience wants to hear your show, the uh, Rock and Manu show, uh, when can they hear it? How do they pick it up? And can they listen to it on a podcast? Tell us how they can find out about it. Just like you can, you can hear Docs and Jocks, you can download the app at uh, 1580 The Fanatic or go to the website, 1580 The Fanatic, and uh, you know, we'll have uh, this show, our show, everyone's show up uh, on, that, on our, our website as well as a soon-to-be fancast.com, which will be something for everyone. And, but, uh, yeah, 1580 The Fanatic, you search that, and you can download that on your app as well as uh, go to the website and and listen to us. We're on uh, locally here. We're on three to six Monday through Friday. All right. Well, as part of Docs and Jocks, uh, Doctor Dan and, and Ferris, I know we both are very very excited about being part of fifteen eighty and ninety nine point three the Fanatic and ninety nine point one as it kicks off out there. Thank you so much for the opportunity, and uh, we look forward to having you on again real soon. Yeah, and we need you on, Doctor Dan. You got to come out. You help me out with my back. All right? Okay. All right. We'll do. Absolutely, <laughs> Rock. Appreciate it, man. All right. See you guys. Thanks, Rock. All right. Hey, we're right back you, with man. more Docs and Jocks, Sports Medicine Radio Show after this short commercial break. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Here we have our producer, Hawk, uh, dealing with some uh, intro music here, man. He's loving it. Got a little move, got a little groove going what on back this? there in the producer booth, baby. So, hey, uh, we're, this is your sports medicine wow. radio show. We enjoy having you with What's us that? on the show. Hey, if you're just catching it for the very first time, your sports medicine radio show, you can find out more about us and the show by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com, and uh, also listen to our po- iTunes podcast at Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. Hey, Ferris, uh, you're getting ready to call your very first, I think, televised volleyball game or something of that effect tonight against yeah. uh, Grand Canyon University against Ohio State. Give us a little update on that, and then I think your uh, baseball team, Grand Canyon, is getting ready to play Wichita State, which is one of the uh, you know renowned programs in the nation. They won a college World Series, so they're doing that, and they just got came off of a two-game uh, win over Oklahoma State. They have three-game series, won two of them. So tell us about what's going on out there. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on here at GCU um, this this weekend. Uh, let's see, 
Got a couple of games. Men's volleyball gets the number one team in the country, Ohio State, and uh, GCU just uh, a couple sets or a couple matches back um, in the standings in the MEVA conference against them. We got uh, softball has still, I think, only lost one game, and that was down at Baylor. They're twelve and one or thirteen and one on the season. Uh, baseball had the two-one uh, series win over Oklahoma State, and up at Wichita State, first game got um, got rained out, so doubleheader Saturday, game on Sunday, and then. Um, you know, for, for basketball, tons of injuries to start the season. And uh, Coach Marley's got him to a 20-9 uh, record and wow. just a couple games left. And then we'll wait around for the CIT in the postseason. Not to mention uh, swimming and diving championships in Houston, Texas for the Western Athletic Conference. And uh, Tom Flood's got his uh, GCU track and field team in the indoor championships. They're trying to repeat. They swept men's and women indoor last year. They're trying to do it again in the conference championships. So a lot yeah, of excitement going on. Absolutely, man. And plus you're 20 and nine in basketball. And those nine, you uh, two of those losses. One was to Louisville, and one was to uh, Duke, right? Louisville, Duke, and U of A are three of those nine <laughs> yeah. losses. So that's pretty, pretty good. good team. Yeah, pretty, pretty good, good teams. Ball. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. So <laughs> that's awesome, man. So you, so uh, you excited about calling volleyball? Have you called a volleyball game before? No, I haven't. I'm excited because I've got uh, Taylor Griffin, who uh, was a four-year player for GCU, actually helped start the program and stayed all four years. He's going to be doing them with me, so I don't have to uh, understand everything that they're doing. I just have to be able to identify the players and the points and all that good stuff. But it moves I love really, really fast. I don't have to watch a lot of it. Yeah, it does. It does. And, you know, all the back sets and the way the plays they call. He was ta- I was talking to him about it you know, kind of prepping before. And he's telling me about, you know, the zip sets and the high sets and the calls and the plays. And I was like, holy cow, dude, this is like serious stuff. He's like, yeah, the setter is like the quarterback, man. He's calling plays and attacking weaknesses. It's pretty, pretty intense, but yeah, it should be fun, man. Especially with yeah. Ohio state. I mean, they haven't, they've won 38 in a row. They're trying to win 40 in a row, but only that six team in the history of the sport to win 40 in a row. Uh, only the sixth time a team did it, but only three teams have done it. Holy cow. Uh, so, wow. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. That is cool. Hey, speaking of cool, uh, did you? Uh, we got to talk a little bit too earlier. If you missed the uh, interview we did with Harvey Catchings, man, it was one of my favorite interviews we've done in a long time. He's a former NBA, one of the all-time leading awesome. uh, blockers. Has played center for the 76ers when they had guys like uh, Julius Irving and uh, Daryl Dawkins and really kind of the glory years of the 76ers because they have not been in glory years lately, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man, they had a rough time with Ben Simmons going down now for the rest of the year. I think I mentioned it earlier. Uh, to, to Harvey, but man, Ferris, Ben Simmons goes down. He was the number one draft pick. He doesn't play at all this year. He breaks his foot, uh, breaks his fifth metatarsal called a Jones fracture. He does it in September. They allowed him to heal. They just repeated his studies. The fracture isn't fully healed. He's now going to have to be out further, possibly undergo further surgery. The reason a Jones fracture uh, takes so long to heal, I've mentioned this before, is that it's an area where you don't get good blood supply to that outer bone. On the, this is the fifth metatarsal on the outer portion of your foot. And uh, because yeah. it doesn't receive a good blood supply, it's very difficult and tenuous whether or not it heals. And then you take a guy that's 6'10", 240 pounds, and jumping up and down on it, obviously it takes longer to heal. So, But Ben Simmons is now out for the season. And it's Man. odd timing because the 76ers now trade Nerland's Noel. Remember, they've, they've drafted like three number one draft picks have been centers. So yep. because they're now they got Ben Simmons for next year, he's going to can't, can't move him because he's – Injured, and he was the number one pick this year, so they have a whole lot of hope that he's going to be good. They move Nerlens Noel to the Dallas Mavericks, who basically get a rent-a-player for the next uh, two two to three months as they hit the playoff run. So I, in a weird way, it worked out for the Mavericks 
that now the 76ers, because they have an injury to Ben Simmons, have to move one of their centers, can't move the injured one, move the other guy, Nerlens Noel, who's, who's really good. He was uh, two years ago the number one pick. So the Mavericks actually now are a little bit in the playoff talk. Not in the playoff hunt, but in the playoff talk. So Yeah, and that's nice for Dallas because um, you know, they've had uh, some tough times. Um, that That's nice for Dallas. Yeah. You know, It's been a while. But Philly's just, man, every time they draft a big guy, they get dog, hurt. They, they are. They're just terrible. It Amazing. It started when they did the trade. with uh, They traded three of their best players uh, to the Lakers. Bynum. They got Bynum for them. Then he ended up having a what's called OCD lesion, where you kind of get a pothole formation in the end of your femur bone. Uh, never really ever heals, never comes back from that. They traded off the kind of their nucleus of their team before that, so now Bynum's out too. So they really, really stink, and they keep getting number one draft picks, but they keep draft picking guys who are injured or guys that soon get injured after they get on the team. So you got Ben Simmons, who's out for the year. Nerland Noel now is traded. They uh, traded him for uh, the, the Mavericks. I forgot the guys. Anderson, I believe his name was. But anyway, so I don't know. It's just going to – they're just a mess. They just literally are a mess. They haven't been good since Allen Iverson left the team, which is a long, long time ago now. Crazy. Yeah, well, they've got Jerry Colangelo now involved as a, as a, as a, a consultant and his son Brian as a GM. And it's, it might take a little while for them to get things uh, fixed, but I think they got the right guys in place at the top of the, uh, of the organization. But it's so tough, man, uh, to, to, to move up. When your guys just get hurt, I mean, those injuries are things you just can't really necessarily count on, and they happen, and then you're just kind of behind the eight ball for another year or two. Yeah, at least, and it's been tough on them for sure. Hey, speaking of guys who've been uh, behind the eight ball and been injured a time or two, Josh Hamilton now, who is reporting to the Texas Rangers under a minor league contract. This is a guy that was a five-time All-Star for the Texas Rangers when he played with them. He was the 2010, which isn't that long ago, MVP. He uh, obviously goes on and goes to the uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim for a $125 million free agency deal. He then, uh, on the field, doesn't do very well for the Angels. He has multiple injuries. He has drug and alcohol relapse. And uh, so he, he gets basically let go by the Angels. So the Rangers pick him up. This year the Rangers are, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Josh Hamilton is due $24 million dollars. The Rangers are paying Ferris. How much of that $24 million do you think the Rangers are paying? How, how much do you think the Angels want to get rid of Josh Hamilton, in other words? What are they paying of his $24 million? Whoops, I think we lost Ferris there for a second. Uh, they, they're paying close to, I think, $20 million, aren't they? I mean, they're paying a ton of that $22 million of the $24 million deal. The Angels are paying $22 million of it. The Rangers are paying $2 million of $24 million deal. That's how bad the Angels wanted to get rid of Josh Hamilton. You remember, oh you remember my that gosh. line in, uh, in Moneyball when Billy Bean is talking to Dave Justice and he's telling him, hey, I need you to do this and this, and Dave says, well, I'm just going to do my thing. And Billy Bean says, well, you need to be a team player. And he goes, well, hey. I'm going to do what I want because you're paying me $10 million a year. He goes, no, I ain't paying you 10 I'm paying you one. The Yankees are paying you 9 They're paying you $9 million to play for another team. That's what they think of you, David. And he just looks at him and he goes, will you help me out? And he's like, yeah, I'll help you out. You know the crazy one. That's the one. same thing with Josh. Yeah. Did you send that to me or the Hawk, our producer, send that to me? Bobby Bonilla. Hawks in that too. Is I oh, think Hawk you and I. Did. Yeah, that's unreal. That deferred payment. Yeah, Bobby Bonilla, who played for the New York Mets, and he played with them about ten years ago. Was the last time he played. It was great. It was great when he did. Very yeah. good player. <laughs> for the Mets, he was okay, right? He did wasn't that good, was he? Yeah, for the Mets, he was okay. But before that, before the that, he was good. Was really good. Really good. So they signed him a massive deal. They signed him to a massive deal, so much that they are still paying him one point one nine million dollars a year until wow. he's until he's age seventy two. 
Bobby Bonilla is going to be making money. He's he's just now in his 40s. He's going to be making $1.19 million every year until he turns age 72. That is crazy. Hey, Hawk. Hey, hey, Dr. Dan, I got a great idea. Let's put me on the Bobby Bonilla plan. I'll go ahead and save you a lot of money right now. We'll have a deal, and you can just pay me until I'm 70. Pay you until you're 70. It's not a bad deal. Hey, if you can, if Bobby Bonilla can figure it out, I mean, if anybody else can figure it out, that's a pretty good agent, man. I'm telling you. I, I would take Well, that you know, that was back in the day when – and Colangelo did this to help win the World Series where they would defer all this money. And yeah. I think the Diamondbacks just got done paying like Jay Bell and Matt Williams a couple of years ago. And the Mets took it to new heights. Uh, yeah. they, I mean because they paid him. You know, it'd be like instead of paying Josh Hamilton, what was that contract, $200 million? $125 million. They'd say, Yeah, they'd say, okay, we'll give you $50 million now, but we'll guarantee you $10 million the rest every year the rest of your life once you retire or something. Yeah. Like. That would be the similarity. and. It may not be allowed him to do it back then, so they did it. So Bonilla, instead of taking all that money up front, which nobody would have paid him, he takes it now. And so, yeah, he's making pretty good coin. Until age 72. That's crazy. Unreal. Unreal. So Josh Hamilton, who's playing baseball this year, 2017, is making $24 million, only being paid by the Texas Rangers, the team he's playing, $2 million. The team that got rid of him. Twenty-two million. The Angels are paying twenty-two million of his Unreal. salary. Unreal. But anyway, he is now uh, sitting out. He injured his uh, knee again, so he went to spring training. He uh. was having sharp pain in the outside of his knee following knee surgery, so he flew down to Houston, where Dr. Walt Lowe did uh, his previous ACL surgery this past June. And uh, the knee was found to be structurally intact, and he underwent a PRP injection. If you ever want to know what a platelet-rich plasma injection is, we did a whole show on that last last week. You can find out what a PRP injection Listen is. Listen to this show. Works. Listen to Docs and Jocks. They, they, yeah. It was really done just to kind of quell some of the irritation he was having in the knee. And he's back riding a stationary bike. He hopes to be back hitting by Monday. He says he was just trying to get the kinks out of his knee before he came back. I, I Ferris, I really think I, I was just looking through the, the the Rangers. I think they got a chance. He has a chance to make the left field. I mean, here's who you he's competing: so? Jerkison Profar, Ryan Rua, Delino oh. DeShields Jr., and uh, Joey Gallo are his competition. I really think he could out of yeah, those but, guys. Yeah, Profar's the guy. Profar's the guy that he's got to do something he's this year. He's got to do right? something I mean, this year. He's We've, the guy who was supposed to be the next kind of. You can Josh only be Hamilton a prospect a for so long, right? You're exactly right. He's always been yeah. the next guy. This is his Look, year. if Josh can stay healthy, that's all. That's always the thing for him from yeah. this point forward in his career. Can you stay healthy? If he's healthy, I bet he can. I, I would that, say there's two things. Sign yeah, he's. I would say he's got to stay healthy ready. and give a dang. He's been one of those guys that's been hard to tell whether or not he gives a dang sometimes. You know, at the end, they yeah. Rangers booed him the first time he left the range because he just acted like he just didn't, you know, didn't have a care in the world. He didn't care whether or not he hustled, didn't care whether or not he played, didn't care if the fans booed him. I was like, he just got a he's got a screw loose sometimes there that doesn't allow Wasn't him he, to look like he wants to play. He always kind of had that little bit, uh, even when he was playing for the Rangers and they were going to World Series and stuff. Didn't he always have that kind of look a little bit like yeah. you couldn't tell whether he struck out or hit a three-run homer? Yeah, like how many outside sliders can you swing at over and over and over again? I mean, good <laughs> night. He just kept doing it. So in the World Series against like the that, Cardinals. That wound is still a little raw. <laughs> it is, man. I was a Cardinals <laughs> fan, but, man, every time I was watching uh, Hamilton, I'm like, really? you got to swing at an 0-2 slider outside? You don't know they're throwing that to you? They throw it to you every time, and you just keep swinging at it. I don't know. Well, that's, that's, like, that's like Trevor Hoffman. You don't know he's throwing a changeup? Why do you keep missing? You don't know that <laughs> yeah. uh, that Mariano Rivera's throwing the cutter? But yeah. you know it's coming. You know it's coming. Just, like, well, just keep swinging and missing. I'm going to miss it again. Hey, uh, if, I know you are 
you're a big UFC fan, you like doing uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and all the uh, martial arts type stuff. Uh, Georgia St. Saint Pierre, one of the most famous uh, UFC fighters of all time, considered in the uh, short list of greatest UFC fighters of all time, nine-time welterweight UFC fighter. He just took a sabbatical since 2013, so a four-year sabbatical from UFC. He had two ACL reconstructions, one of which was during that sabbatical time. He's now 35 years old. He plans... His return, he is coming back. Georgia St. Pierre wow. is coming back to the UFC uh, ring, and he is going to be uh, showing what he can do. He was the guy that said the same thing we said earlier about uh, Tom Brady, who said he felt as good as he did back uh, when he was in his younger 20s. I mean, he's now 35 years of age. He's going to be fighting much younger fighters. He's been out for four years, said he's ready to go. But, man, do you really know? He's had, t- had two ACL reconstructions. So it'll be interesting to see because if he does come back and wins another welterweight championship, I think that puts him and vaults him under the top of the uh, greatest UFC fighter of all time. Oh, right? yeah. Definitely You're talking about fist-fighting dudes like 15 years younger than you. Yeah, though. I know, man. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good luck, man. <laughs> that's, that's, a, uh, that's, a, that's a unique breed right there. Him and the Tim Kennedys oh, of the yeah. world are the unique breed. Hey, <laughs> right. I don't know if you saw this or not, Ferris, but Minnesota Vikings all-pro running back uh, Adrian Peterson, uh, he is now – his status is still t- yet to be determined. It's hard to talk about Adrian Peterson and, and, and have the discussion – that the Minnesota Vikings probably aren't going to sign him back. They'd have to sign him to an $18 million option. Uh, that's what it would cost the Vikings this year to keep him. And Peterson and the Vikings are probably going to be uh, splitting and uh, going parting ways. He's our all-time leading rusher, almost, almost what was he, nine yards short of uh, Eric Dickerson's all-time single-season rushing record, something like that. But anyway, he was uh, sidelined last year following a meniscus repair. And uh, he is going to be coming back, but they don't know if they're going to be signing him to the $18 million deal. Here in our last minute, Ferris, do you think uh, Adrian Peterson is a guy that should stay a Viking, or should he go? Should they part ways and uh, see what a test? I think they, I think they got to part. I think he might still be a good running back, but they got to part ways with a guy for $18 million bucks. Yeah, because uh, running backs, you know, they have a short lifespan. Typically, after knee surgery, they're not exactly the same as they were. We saw this with your great Jamal Charles, you know, at, uh, with the yep. Kansas City Chiefs. They tend to come back, but they tend to, you know, get re-injured. So, yeah, I love if Adrian he was Peterson smart, as a running back. But. If AP was smart, he would not re-sign with them. He'd go sign with the uh, with the New England Patriots for about $10 million bucks and <laughs> win, win a Super Bowl. Bowl and totally rehabilitate his image. Oh, I, we would. That's absolutely would. Bond, so, Hey, from all of us here on Docs and Jocks, including myself, Dr. Dan, longtime sports medicine physician, I want to say thank you to listen to your sports medicine radio show. Man, we have a blast bringing it to you every week. We want to say thank you to all our new stations uh, out there in uh, the Valley, out in Phoenix, Arizona, where uh, Ferris Potter, my co-host, is. And uh, I know Ferris uh, wants to say thank you to all our wonderful listeners as well. To all you those who are listening on 1580, 99.3, The Fanatic, and soon to be 99.1, want to say thanks. Hey, uh, till next week, from all of us here, so long. Have a great week. Remember, you can contact us at docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. With any questions you might have, we'll get you on air. Love to have you be part of our show anyway you can. Until next week, so long.